This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. With me today are three special guests. First, we have two returning guests, Thomas Henschel, developer of Archmage Rises. How you doing? Hello. We have Andrew Crawford, who is Andrew Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> Newly minted assistant pastor at Uly Baptist Church. Ah, congratulations. Glad to return. And we have one special new guest whose name I said I wasn't going to mispronounce, <laughs> but her name is April Lynn Cowett. Did I get it right? Yes. Good job. Ding, Yay. ding, ding. Yay. Okay. So <laughs> today our topic is something akin to time management. Now, video games are what I would call a time-consuming activity. You can't see the air quotes, but... <laughs> In terms of how video games are made, a lot of them are pretty long. I mean, even when we're talking in comparison to, let's say, movies. Movies usually hit at max three and a half hour mark. In terms of TV shows, they go on a lot longer, but I would say that on average, most video games are longer than most other forms of media. And not in terms of like, well, a book I could put down at any time, but a video game is a lot more engaging in stressful and requires a lot more of your focus, attention, and time. So when people are watching you playing a video game, it's more the effect of, please stop talking to me while I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what thoughts do we have on managing our time accordingly, as Christians specifically? Well, I think first of all, the I think the biggest difference between when you're talking about movies and television and video games is, you know, with a movie or a TV show, there's kind of a definite end in sight. If that makes sense, like a movie, you got about two and a half, maybe three hours if it's long and you know, you're going to be done a TV show. If you're going episode by episode, you know, 30 minutes, an hour tops, you know, you're going to be done. Whereas video games tend to not really have a definite end in sight. It's really just, just depends on how much content there is and how much you like it and how much you're going to come back to it. If that makes any sense, like there's not really a definite end because even once you complete the game, there may be different ways to play it. You know, there may be different angles to take. So it's not as definite in where it ends. Myself, I'm playing what I would call an endless game, which is Diablo 3. <laughs> it's not my fault that I started playing it, but friends picked it up and I was compelled to play it by myself. So I, I think I've invested about 25 hours and I know there's a quote unquote end to the game. But you can keep upping the difficulty and getting better and better gear. So there's this like primal gear treadmill of just endless playing of Diablo, <laughs> which I've watched <laughs> videos of people playing and the numbers, just numbers everywhere. Numbers, numbers, numbers. <laughs> so theoretically, you could play it forever, which is slightly frightening to me that a game could even be designed in this fashion. So I know, I know myself, I have to kind of limit my playtime of this to like, maybe two hours or it just gets like super repetitive and I'm just doing a brainless activity for no reason. That's a good description of Diablo three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of pressing buttons and numbers go up. I love playing it, but then I don't know why. And so I stop <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to go back and I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, I haven't, I haven't played for quite a while now. I guess it lost its draw on me. Uh, PC or console? PC. Okay. I I'm playing the console because I don't quite understand the PC version. Okay. The controls are just confusing me, but, you know, <laughs> just pressing and holding a button just works for me. Yeah, I I've heard great things about the console version, um, and a friend that played the PC version switched over to the console version because he just found it more fun to play with his Xbox Live friends and all that. So Yeah, instead of the incessant clicking. <laughs> I guess, yeah. But I, I think Diablo is a pretty empty game. I think earlier this week I compared it to potato chips. I mean, like you open a bag of potato chips, they're compulsive to eat, and then like you, they're not really delicious, but you just keep eating them after you That's open the debatable. bag. Hey, what kind of potato chips are we talking? I mean, I have a very much love hate relationship with how delicious Doritos can be. <laughs> oh. I mean, I guess technically they're not potato chips because they're tortilla chips, but I mean, I feel like we're splitting hairs there. <laughs> 
Okay. I also wanted to say that I think Peter Jackson will continue to explore what the maximum length of a movie can be. (laughs) (laughs) He's certainly trying. (laughs) Hey, he's broken new ground, right? When you can get a theater to agree to to run a movie for three and a half hours, whereas before they would only run something for 90 minutes. Like, that's impressive. Huh. I guess you're right. What did, like, Um, Gods and Generals came out the same year that Return of the King did, though. And that was three and a half hours. Great movie. Yeah, um, like for instance, uh, if you've seen the movie The Abyss by James Cameron, anybody seen that? I have not. No. Oh, um, so it was cut down to the uh, you know ninety minute, one hundred twenty minute mark, and um, it uh, didn't really make a lot of sense. (laughs) Like the ending just (laughs) just suddenly happened. Um, Then when DVDs came out and he put out the special edition that had like the kind of so called director's cut. There was 30 minutes cut from the ending and not like pieces. I mean, like, like scene and then 30 minutes cut and then next scene. Like, and so, the, you know, the anyway, so it's just there was a time where you simply could not get a film marketed um, and distributed that was after, larger than a certain length because of the number of runs that they could do in a, in a single evening. Um, so Peter Jackson has helped change all that. <laughs> Okay. But anyway, we're not here about movies. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a relevant comparison. Um, I mean, if, to, to ask the question about uh, how we spend our time, I think begs the question, the, the kind of earlier, more important question is how should we be spending our time? Because then I think the chips fall um, where, where they should, right? Um, we could argue about whether playing a video game for two hours or four hours um, is you know better or worse, but you know, what should we be spending our time on? And then suddenly that might provide some light. So should we talk about our personal schedules regarding video <laughs> game play? I'm just curious here. No, I mean, like I, this is a question that I've had um, for myself, um, both as someone who creates objects of leisure and someone who enjoys objects of leisure. Um, I read an entire book on uh, work and leisure, um, which is probably one of the driest things that you could ever pick up at a bookstore. Um, but it's an important question about this idea of rest and um, getting away from work. I I have encountered Christians who are of the mindset. I am not one of them, um, but they, they do exist. This isn't a straw man. These are actual people that I've met um, that are like every moment of every hour, um, you should be doing something for the kingdom. And that really translates into some form of evangelism or spiritual formation or something like that. So basically from the moment your eyes open – you're either praying or reading your scriptures or whatever. You do the work that's necessary in order to pay your bills so you can go back to praying and going to Bible studies and all these other kind of things and stuff. And, and there's, there's no room for leisure in, um, in that particular mindset, right? So um, that made me question, like, how do I answer this? I think they're wrong, but I think maybe I lack the knowledge that they have or I certainly lack the words in order to converse with people that – or of that mindset. And so that's why I went and explored the topic. I think that perhaps their base premise might be true. In other words, that their base premise that you should be spending every moment doing something for the kingdom, I think that has merit, you know, considering, you know, just how important kingdom work is. But my contention would be that rest is an important part of that. Yeah, that's I mean, what I was thinking. Huh. I mean, one of the Ten Commandments was to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I think it's really important that, yes, God established that, you know, six days out of the week, God was working. God was doing his kingdom work by creating. But it's also equally important that he took an entire day and rested from that work. And I think that that's an example you can't easily overlook. Yeah, I mean, that sounds exhausting. Um, I think I agree with Andrew there that I think it's great to be focused on doing kingdom work all the time, but... Resting is important. Uh, if we don't rest, then how are we going to keep doing that? I call it Christian burnout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like the, well, at least in my church context, right? There was always this kind of like, oh, well, you're on fire for God sort of thing, right? And I think that metaphor is pretty funny because <laughs> eventually a fire goes out <laughs> unless there's fuel in said fire. So, you know, a lot of people would become Christians and they'd be, you know, incredibly fervent towards the faith for like a period of like a couple of years, but 
then they would either feel used or they would just feel totally drawn out without any breaks in between this. And it would just be like, well, you know, they're losing their, you know, motivation for this whole thing. So there is sort of a balance that you kind of have to have. Because at one point, if you're working all the time, that's good for a little bit. But then you're going to just totally bomb out and exhaust yourself if that's all you can do is work, work, work. It's not a very good balance. And I wonder if there's also a way that we tend to misuse the word work to think to, to mean something that is very purposeful and, well, that, that it can't be fun. Um, and I think that there's a certain sense that rest can be work, that rest can be something that's productive uh, and that we can play video games prayerfully. I think I, I kind of wish that Josh Collar were on because he's talked about this in the past, um, the idea of being prayerful while gaming. Right. I mean, I, I think you're on to something because I, I think that I think there's a difference between you know, rest as in doing absolutely nothing and rest as in you know, legitimately taking a break from legitimate, like, hard work or, you know, whatever. I, I have a hard time describing what I'm talking about. But still being purposeful, purposeful about it. And I'll use this example. It was, I think, about a week ago. It was a Friday. And I spent pretty much the entire afternoon. I took off from work, uh, from the church, obviously, and I went fishing. I went fishing with, it was an old friend of mine from high school who I hadn't seen in a really long time. So we got up together, we got in the boat, and we went fishing for the entire afternoon. Now, on the surface, that just seems like, oh, well, you just had a day where you got off, and it was really restful and everything. And yes, it was that. But at the same time, you know, there was a purpose behind that, because that friend of mine, you know, he's not a Christian, he's not attending our church anywhere, so... It was also a way for me to connect with him again and be able to open up that relationship again and, you know, be able to use that in a kingdom glorifying way. For example, this week he came to my Bible study that I teach on a Wednesday night. And the only reason, you know, he ever came to that was because I went through the trouble of going fishing with him one afternoon and reopening that relationship. So while, yes, that was a restful activity that, you know, helped me recharge my batteries and all that good stuff, you know, there was a purpose to it. That's a really great example because that's getting at exactly what um, this person I was talking with about is um, they were basically saying that they were saying that you can't rest unless there's some kind of biblical um, ulterior motive or something to it. Right. And um, that's what Andrew kind of just gave. Like he said, oh, I went fishing, but I also used it for evangelism stuff. So therefore, it's okay." And I think that. That's the thing that really I question. Do we have to give these these additional things? I went fishing, but I hel- I helped my friend. I talked things through. I was a good Samaritan, blah, 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 blah. Do we have to add the but? Can we not just say, I went fishing? I think you can. My contention would be that there always is going to be some spiritual, like, good thing that comes out of it. Like, even if I had just gone fishing entirely by myself – you know, I, I think that just the fact that I took time away by myself to rest and recharge in and of itself actually is a good spiritual thing to do. So that would be my contention is that there always is a good spiritual reason behind doing anything restful. Not necessarily that you have to justify it, if that makes sense. So why, why would you say that resting and recharging is a good thing to do? Can you unpack that some more? Well, I mean, first of all, like I said, there's the example that God did it. And I mean, if you just, if you believe in the God that we, I assume we all believe in, who's infinite and doesn't need any rest, I think that there obviously was some point to him taking a rest, that he obviously doesn't need being the infinite God. And so I, I think that that was very clearly an example to us that, hey, if an all infinite God who doesn't need rest at all took a rest, then we as finite human beings who aren't infinite and don't have, you know, just this infinite source of energy and, you know, go get them this or, you know, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) then perhaps we should, we should take a rest as well. And, you know, take that opportunity to just take a minute and breathe and not 
just speak go 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 all the time. The the reason I asked that is um, it, and I, I'm not sure if I heard it in your answer. Is um, people can have a utilitarian view of rest, which is I rest so I can work harder for the other six days of the week. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. I, I rest in order to recharge, in order to be better at my job or better at my family or all that kind of thing, right? And um, and so I, I, I really question that utilitarian view of rest. Um, you nailed it when you said God rested and he didn't even have to, <laughs> right? And um, God didn't rest for utilitarian reasons. God rested – because it's good in and of itself. So rest doesn't need to have any kind of component which would make it either useful or have any reasoning behind it. Rest should just be rest. Is that what you're saying? That is where I have landed on this after some thought and some study is that God rested because rest itself is good. You can do other things like you know, the fact that he did this with his friend and, and the friend is now at the Bible, that's awesome. I'm not saying that's bad or, or wrong or shouldn't be done or anything. I, I'm definitely, you know, be open to being used by the Spirit at any given point and everything. But um, I, I really just wanted to kind of put the magnifying glass on that, you know, but part. You know, I went fishing, but I also blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I, I think that um, God demonstrated rest, rest is just good. And the church struggles with these kinds of things. The church really struggles in general with pleasure. That's what I have found. Yeah, the so, early church has always struggled with pleasure. I mean, they were they wanted priests and pastors to be celibate for like for the longest time. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so you find these kind of justifications along the way of you know sex for procreation, and now suddenly sex is okay, and it's like, yeah, well, sex just for pleasure. That makes Christians uncomfortable, even today, even probably people listening right now. (laughs) (laughs) Or me. (laughs) (laughs) Or people on the podcast right now. But you see where Um, where I'm going, right? Yeah, I see. Yeah. So how do we decide how much rest then? Like where to stop resting or when it's okay to rest? You want me to answer? You <laughs> I, that, that was answer? a that was a not a rhetorical question. That was a big um, question. Let's talk about this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to give you my answer. Yeah, um, I don't have an answer, so I would love to hear somebody else's. Okay, um, let me take a step back and and just you know for myself, um, my kind of life is I, I own four businesses, each with employees. Um, I work on my game, which is one of those businesses, and I have a wife and I have a two year old daughter. Uh, And I'm pretty involved in my church and I try to be a good friend to the friends that I have. So I'm, I'm pulled in a lot of directions. Um, And so the idea of rest is uh, very important or um, there's a, another word for it, which is margin, the margin that you have in your life when you don't pack things so tight. Right. So you have like, okay, from nine o'clock to this time, I have to do this. And then I have five minutes to get to the other thing and then do that and blah, 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 blah. So um, margin is, is very important. So, how do I answer like, okay, I'm an elder and I have certain meetings I have to go to. I have my wife that I need to uh, love and I have a daughter that I need to raise. I have work that I need to do. Um, it's in terms of calling. Um, we have calls in our life and some people are called to say church leadership or um, leading a Bible study or all these things. And, um, and we're also called to family obligations, all these other things. So I think it's a matter of going through your series of callings and making sure that you can fulfill on those. And then the balance is time for rest. The important thing would just be to make sure that in fulfilling all those obligations that there actually is any time left. Absolutely. Totally. I, I don't believe in a God that would call you to so many things that you can never rest. Right. Uh, and, and if and if I could clarify kind of my position, I I just I, I probably come across as an extremely utilitarian. I guess I'd say that uh, utilitarian. Yeah, person. And I, I I guess that's true because I just I just am. I'm an extremely practical person. So like for instance, you know, art in general, aside from music, but like art is in like 
people painting on canvas has just never really had any weight with me because to me it's practically worthless. <laughs> like it doesn't serve any practical uses as far as it is in my daily life. Um, so I, I guess that would explain kind of kind of the way that I look at rest is even rest has like a practical use as far as you know making me better uh, able to do all the other things I do. Um, and that's also to say that I, I actually have been at points in my life where I have been guilty of doing exactly what I just said, you know, where, you know, I do this and I tell myself, okay, I'm going to use my time to get everything I need to get done, done. And then at the end of it, you know, I have my period of rest, but then I fulfill all those time requirements and find out, oh, there is no time. I'm in the red here. <laughs> um, so I have been guilty of that in the past. So it, in, in saying that and adding that onto what you said, I was just kind of speaking for my own life that that is that that's true. And at some point, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to make decisions about, okay, what is God really calling me to do? And what is it that, you know, I'm doing for other reasons that perhaps I need to shape my life? So you would say that uh, we need to prioritize rest as part of our schedule. Right. Yeah. Does everybody sk- struggle with um – not having enough rest, like like the, the the tendency or the desire is to keep doing things. Uh, well, for my part, in the current moment, I kind of just write a whole lot. So, in terms of writing, I don't write like I don't go here is my period for writing. You know, like a lot of people would say, like you should spend an hour a day writing something, right? Well, my thoughts are bizarre and disconnected, and I don't do that. So, like, I'll write for 15 minutes, and then I'll go entertain myself for 15 minutes, if that makes sense. And the balance is not always perfect, but that's how I tend to think about things. And, you know, I'll read something, or, you know, I'll read a giant long article about whatever current topic I wanted to discuss, and then I'm going back and forth between these two things. So, is that bizarre and nonsensical? (laughs) Makes sense to me. Yeah, so so some of it is rest and some of it is not. I mean, like, I don't really have a distinction between those things, at least in theology gaming, what I'm currently doing. I mean, I do have to schedule things so that, let's say, I am going on vacation in, like, a year or something like that, or, like, in the next month. So I have to basically stock up articles in advance from either myself or podcasts or whoever, right? And then I basically have to go, well, I got to get this done before such and such a date so I could set up tags and make sure all the things are auto-posting and all that. So so my schedule kind of varies. So in terms of rest also, I don't know if my video game plate counts as rest because they end up turning into articles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm kind of in this weird, ambiguous position of not quite knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't have a clear divide between restful things and work because I like both. I guess I like what I do, so that makes it hard <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that because you know my my work is is working on game game development, and um, so I just got teleglitch. Why did I get teleglitch? Because I want to play it. Why do I want to play it? Well, partly because I want to see what they did in terms of game mechanics so maybe I can steal something from it. And partly because I just want to enjoy it. So when is it work and when is it rest? Yeah, so, the line is not very clear. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. When your hobby becomes your work, it, it becomes very complicated. Yeah, and then I say to myself, well, I can't play video games during the day because then I wouldn't be writing, quote, working, quote, not doing anything, you know? So, like, <laughs> I don't know exactly when I'm supposed to be playing video games. My brain is telling me that I shouldn't be playing them all the time because I should be writing stuff. But on the other hand, if I don't play anything, then I can't write about it. It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> what about you, April Um, Well, at the moment, um, I actually find that I'm struggling a lot with not resting too much. Um, I mean, part of it is I don't have any family obligations. My family is me and the cat and my roommate, so that's pretty simple. Uh, The cat needs pettings, needs to be fed. I can handle that. Um, And a lot of times, so my my current addiction is Minecraft, which has no end at all. Um, technically it has a, an end state, I guess, killing an ender dragon, I guess, 
but really nobody that I know of plays it to get through the game and finish it. Um, you know, there's always one more thing to build, one more done uh, cave to explore, more chunks to generate. Um, and so I find that when I get home from my day job, a lot of times I'll think, hmm, I should do something productive, but, but Minecraft. I'll just <laughs> play for, you know, a little bit, and then I'll go try and, you know, do something, do something productive, do some chores or, or write something. And then, you know, three hours later, I'm, like, mm, I'm just going to go to bed soon. I'm tired. Um, and so that's a real, uh, that's a real challenge for me is telling myself, okay, I'm going to rest for this chunk of time, but there are other things that need to be done. And a lot of it, I think is, I don't know, I guess just prioritizing which things I want to get done. I don't really have a lot. I don't have any game development. Um, I don't have a lot of writing deadlines right now. Um, I owe one article and have for a very long time, but I don't really have a deadline on it. So um, that makes it really hard. Oh, and you also yeah. are the Game Church City Mayor. Yes, which is, um, those, again, there are no deadlines with that. You know, I pretty much just make <laughs> sure that nobody's um, burning down Facebook with flame wars and that there are no spam bots that have snuck past my defenses. And, uh, yeah, you know, poke my head every now and then and start a conversation and invite some new members. It, it's really not a... You know, I can vanish for a day and no one would really notice. Not that I do. I'm pretty obsessed with keeping tabs on it. But, yeah, it's not really a time sink in the same way that writing an article would be. Like, I can do that work for five minutes at a time here and there. Here's a quote for you, Zach, for the podcast. Minecraft is a time vacuum from Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Except, so here's the thing. It was engineered to stop the church from doing its work. (laughs) So here's the thing. Diablo, you say, is like potato chips, has no value. I would say Minecraft, and this is how I justify it so myself, too. This is is problematic. Minecraft, actually, I find has a lot of value in letting me express my creativity, letting me build things. I think of it as Legos with lava and no picking up pieces later. And also some cave exploration and spelunking. And so I find like it really helps me to feel creative when I'm not feeling creative. But eventually it just becomes another time sink if I let it. Huh. So do you like more freeform games? Just I'm just curious. Lately I have been. Like I was really into Starbound for a while, just the planet hopping, building stuff on different planets, picking up furniture out of random buildings and putting it in my lair on the other planet um in general minecraft is pretty much the only one though that i really have gotten almost almost addicted to i guess i guess i'm almost addicted to it yeah i never really thought about that but that's a that's a scary thought i have two things um one is uh it's interesting that you say it makes you you feel creative and um uh, first, I want to say I'm not against uh, Minecraft at all. I'm, I said what I said as a former player of Minecraft <laughs> because I'm just like, holy cow, look at the time. What did I accomplish? You know, like I dug a hole, <laughs> a virtual hole. I built a tiny house and hid in it. Yeah. So I chopped some trees or whatever. Anyway, so uh, I'm not down on Minecraft. Um so uh, anyway, I, I have a friend who is um, an author and um, teaches creative writing. And, uh, he's a professor. And I was, I was telling him about uh, some of the game development. I said, man, you know, I'm just having a hard time with uh, being creative and, and, you know, getting this done in the day, getting that done in the day and this other kind of stuff. And he said, okay. And, uh, and then later I said, yeah, I'm, sp- I'm spending all this time writing these articles uh, in the evening, uh, articles about the game that I'm working on. And he said, oh. Well, it makes a lot of sense why you're struggling during the day because the articles are drawing from the same creative well. Mm. And so because you're using it up in the articles, you don't have anything left when it comes time to being creative when you're working on your game or your backstory and all these other kind of things. And I was like, wow, I never thought that those totally separate tasks would actually conflict like that. Um, 
So I don't know if that means anything to you. I just thought I'd throw that out there. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're thinking if you're thinking about the same topic in different areas, it's still going to be there. I, I mean, from my perspective, they're still related, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a real way to recharge would be to completely separate yourself from that. That idea of um, you kind of only have one creativity well. And if you spend it on cool contraptions in Minecraft, it becomes a little harder to write the article. (laughs) Oh, I think I misunderstood what you were saying. Oh, well, maybe what you thought I said was better than what I actually said. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that, that... yeah, I kind of thought you meant what you were getting at was the fact that you were, you know, drawing from the same well in the sense that they were both related to the game you were working on, not in the general sense of creativity as a general thing, if that makes sense. Right, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, is that you were talking about because they were related, you'd already used up your allotment of creativity from, no, yeah, anyways... Yeah, that makes sense too. That wasn't what I meant to say, but that makes sense as well. So I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I definitely think that there's that's a really good point that you can use up. You only have an, an allotment of so much creativity, um, just like you only have so much motivation. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I've learned about time management is the things that you want really want to get done, you should do first, because if you wait and do them later, you're going to use up all your energy on the things you did first, which was a really roundabout way of saying what I meant to say. But I think when I use something like Minecraft for creativity, it's more, I haven't created anything lately. What do I feel like creating? I could go write something, but at the moment I'd really rather just build a mountain lodge (laughs) and then get satisfaction out of, I built a mountain lodge in this virtual world. Yeah. Um, I mean, is your kind of initial question about um, how much time we spend, you know, playing video games or whatever? Um, like, are you looking for an hours kind of type answer? Um, no, I don't think it's that simple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Cause uh, you know, you just described that, uh, you know, the, the calls that are in your life, um, you know, if you're, uh, I'll, I'll just make it personal. When when World of Warcraft was was a big thing for me, um, I would I was still doing the things in my church that I needed to do. I was taking care of my wife. We didn't have a child at that time. I was taking care of my wife and her needs, and I was taking care of my work needs. And I spent all the rest of the time playing World of Warcraft, and um, and so the way that you can tell if somebody has an addiction um, is how it affects the rest of their life. Like, is their Call of Duty playing affecting their grades? Is their World of Warcraft playing affecting relationships in their life? Um, you know, is their constantly working out affecting their church involvement and attendance and, and that kind of thing? That's how you can tell when someone has an addiction. So um, that's why you're right that it's never going to come down to an hours thing. Like, oh, if you play more than four hours, you have a problem. Yeah, four hours for one person is going to be too much, and for someone else, it's going to be not enough because of the different calls they have in their life. And four hours might be necessary to make progress in certain games. (laughs) Well, that's just an evil game. Yeah, um, I I agree. I mean, try playing World of Warcraft for one hour. Like, you just don't get anything. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't work. So funny story about trying to get things accomplished in World of Warcraft in a short amount of time. I thought, well, you know, I'm making some pasta. And while the water boils, I'm just going to log on. And some period of time later, when I realized that I'd forgotten about my water boiling two rooms away, I went in and discovered that the water was all gone and the pot was glowing red. Uh, fortunately it was winter, so I could pick it up and throw it outside in the snow, but I ruined a perfectly good pot. Boo. So I learned that there is no just logging on for a few minutes in World of Warcraft. (laughs) Warcraft kills pots. (laughs) We must stop (laughs) the epidemic. April Lynn, pot destroyer. (laughs) Yeah, this was many years ago, by the way. I think I've gotten a little bit more responsible since then. No, World of Warcraft has gotten worse. (laughs) 
I don't know. I think Warcraft has gotten better, at least time management wise. It's like because you don't have to like spend an hour and a half getting like five dudes together for a dungeon, you know. <laughs> that part's true. Yeah, and then oh, spamming trade chat for an hour, then going to the thing, and then spending five hours doing it, and then going to sleep because you have no more time to do anything. <laughs> now you just kind of instantly queue for whatever, and you're there. Boom. Although, although I should say, I think my wild timer is somewhere in the 200 days mark. So I am no paragon of virtue there. <laughs> so um, does everybody feel that playing video games is an appropriate use of rest? Yes. I would say yes, considering the name of my website. <laughs> I don't know what to say after that, though. April in? I mean, my answer is yes, but I can't really think of a justification for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, obviously, I, I like video games, and I think, yes, it's an appropriate use of time. I think that um, if it becomes your only source of rest, then it might become problematic. Hmm. That's interesting. Why? So you think we should have it, yeah. I don't know, I guess because the outdoors is good, too. <laughs> I didn't really think that through very much. <laughs> Reality, books, books, other media. I like. I mean, I have a lot of different interests. So part of it is just if I were only doing video games, I would get very frustrated. But um, even though I don't get outside very often, there's still part of me that thinks maybe going out and taking walks, um, going and seeing nature, going and seeing real life people, maybe. Um, you know, there's just some part of me that and maybe that comes down to a you know cultural idea that too much video games is bad. You know, going back to when we were kids and, you know, you got to go out and play, your time is done. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's cultural programming or if there's actually something else. Huh. This is interesting because as a kid, like, I grew up with video games, like, all the time. And my parents were like, oh, you should play them and all that kind of thing. So I played outside and I played with toys, but I also played with video games. And it was always with other people. So, at least in my mental makeup, I've never kind of had any stigma towards playing video games versus going outside or those kinds of things. I realize a lot of people do, like, you know, because there is the tendency for you to just kind of stare at a screen for about three or four hours. (laughs) But, But on the other hand, I was always spending time with my brother while playing video games, regardless of what they were, you know, like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI, so... My context was always in that I was playing video games and there were other people around at the same time. So, oh man, your brother liked good games. I ended up playing monster trucks with my brother. <laughs> yeah, I got my brother to play World of Warcraft and my whole family. So, I guess that would be considered family time whenever we play the game. <laughs> so, I get around with loopholes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't grow up with that stigma either. I mean, A, there's the fact that, like Gabriel, I kind of have diverse interests, so, and one of them was being outside, so I was always outside anyway. Um, you know, so, I mean, there there was that, and just the fact that, um, you know, like, I didn't grow up in a household where it was a really big issue, which is really kind of funny, because I'm really the only, you know, I'm really the only person in my family who really plays any amount of video games that's discernible on any sort of scale. Uh, So it's kind of, you know, you wouldn't think in that kind of environment with me being the only person, you would think that maybe, you know, I would have faced, you know, pressure to, oh, why don't you do something else? But I I never really had that. Um, For me, the, um, one of the things I'd sort of discovered and it was relatively recently is that um, one of the things I was neglecting when I was playing video games was uh, my body. I wasn't taking care of the temple. And um, so I am the typical straight white gamer, (laughs) straight white male gamer um, that, uh, yeah, I was putting on um, some pounds because I was always docile physically. Um, You know, I work in software and then I would come home and sit at my computer and play Call of Duty or StarCraft II or something like that, right? And um, I had this kind of awakening moment uh, when I was like, 
huh, instead of playing four hours of World of Warcraft, I could do one hour of exercise and three hours of World of Warcraft. I'd still get plenty of World of Warcraft in. It's just I would be a healthier person for it. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that caused uh, a big change. And now, now I prioritize um, being healthy, both on, on eating and exercise side, whereas before I didn't. Yeah, I think that happened to me, too, because I found myself becoming massively unhealthy. <laughs> or at least I perceive myself to be as such. So I started doing Pilates. And don't you dare laugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, intense Pilates, not like, you know. But I feel like getting in shape is something I have to do if I'm going to play a ton of video games or if I'm going <laughs> to sit around on my butt all day. So it's like, why not do this? You know, I'll spend like an hour a day doing exercise and lifting weights and all that kind of thing and just get it over with. You know, yeah. eventually it becomes habit and then I don't really have to think about it anymore. And then the video games I can think about or the theology I can think about. So, Yeah, I found, um, uh, you know, I, I really like cycling. And um, I found that kind of one hour of cycling not only is outside, but um, it gives my brain a break because you don't have to think very hard to cycle. Um, whereas playing video games, my mind is always engaged. And obviously writing software, your mind is always engaged. Um, and so I found great benefit in cycling, which was not something that I never, like, I ever really wanted to do. Um, like, whenever I thought of rest, I just wanted to play video games as my rest thing. But then when I discovered kind of more diversity, more diverse ways to rest, I found benefits in the other forms outside of just video games. I, I would just sum up my, my thought on uh, rest and, and such is that God rested in and of itself, and it was good. And um, it doesn't need to be justified um, any other way um, as part of the Christian life. Um, you know, Jesus went off to, to rest. He did go off to pray and that kind of stuff, but also just take a break from all these people that were around him and everything. And, um, you know, he, he could have worked more um, than he actually did. There was, you know, that one more person he could have healed or that one more person he could have talked to and stuff, but he definitely prioritized rest. And, um, and I think video games uh, can be a double-edged sword. It can be amazing rest. Um, or it can be an evil vacuum of time sucking like Minecraft. From Satan. From Satan, like Minecraft. Right. Huh. What do you think of – actually, I have the curious about this. What do you think of games that are abnormally intense? Let's say like a character action game like Ninja Gaiden, Bayonetta, Devil May Cry, something like in that vein, God of War. They are intense in a way that is not time-consuming quite so much like, let's say, role-playing game, MMO, that kind of thing. So would we consider that good rest or bad rest? I think it depends on the person. Um, for some people, that would be very stressful. Um, and I think other people would find that sort of thing restful. It, because it really works your mind when you're, like, let's say, playing on the highest difficulty level and kind of trying to barrel through it and no distractions sort of thing. Like I, I have to say that my experience with such games is playing Devil May Cry in 2003. So I may not have anything useful to say on that subject. <laughs> I, I can't say uh, I think the exact type of games, but I mean... I. I like to play games at their highest difficulty level, so I, I would say I've been in similar situations, if not necessarily completely analogous. But um, to me, like when I play those, like I know the intensity suggests that my mind is engaged, but it, I like I like to call it that I go into this like Zen state, if you know, if if that makes any sense, where I'm not really thinking thinking about it i just kind of let like my twitch reflexes and my instincts just kind of roll if that makes sense so it's not really as intense to me in my mind as it perhaps might be to someone else if that makes any sense mm -hmm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense and i also think that there there can be something extremely restful about setting yourself to a challenge that has nothing to do with the rest of your life and has no consequences on the rest of your life 
Um, and just being able to accomplish something, you know, say, wow, I, I did that really challenging thing. And I think that could be extremely rewarding. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it gives you a break from everything else that you're thinking about. Yeah, I, I've totally experienced that, right? So your question, Zach, is about intensity, right? It, like game intensity, does it does it no longer become rest? Yeah, because so- it, I'm, I'm just curious just because the intensity of the experience can also lend itself to being kind of like, well, moving over into the area of work, especially when <laughs> people are breaking it down into like its most minute mechanical thing, theory crafting, that kind of thing. Well, I'll just say for the record, most Zynga games are work. <laughs> so, um, so definitely there is a category of gaming that is just work. <laughs> um, and you pay for that privilege. It's the exact opposite of work. <laughs> you give your time and your money to do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, for, for myself, I, you know, I've been an entrepreneur uh, for just over 10 years and um, there have definitely been some dark days. You know, when, when you're the, the guy running the show and uh, sometimes you got to come up with money and you don't know how you're going to come up with the money in order to make payroll in, in two weeks or whatever or three days from now and, and whatever. Um, that kind of stuff can just hang over you. Like it really, it, it was just hanging over my head and it was just like, ah, uh, it's like killing me. Um, you know, when I would pray and I would read my Bible and I would talk it through with a friend and it just, I just couldn't get it to go away. Like it would, it would never go away. And then I would go and play an intense game of Starcraft two, like, you know, on the, on the ladders, um, in, in the leagues and stuff. And I would get a break from it. I would have this moment because I was so focused on the game and keeping up my KPMs and whatever um, that I would not think about the pending doom that was maybe coming in my company and, and all this stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think there's definitely times where the high intensity can actually be more restful um, because it can draw your attention away from these other things. There's many things in life, and especially the older you get, that simply can't be solved in a short period of time. And it's kind of like, what do you do while you wait for the court case to conclude or you wait for the checks to come in from your accounts receivable? Like, what do you do? And uh, sometimes you just need that distraction. Hmm. I hesitate to call it an easy bout of satisfaction, but more like a minor victory that can kind of lead you on to the next thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, for sure. Because if right? you think of like gaps in life between like one place and the other, sometimes there's not this, let's say, straightforward narrative that leads you to one place or another. And so like there's a long bout of work and then a large payoff at the end. But life is not is kind of like a series of hills <laughs> more so. And you can set self-imposed hills like through video games, that kind of thing. Or at least that's how I tend to see challenge in video games. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Like, you know, if I have a a lousy day when I feel like, man, I didn't accomplish anything. And then I can jump in into a match three game, match a couple of colors and go, hey, I'm smart. (laughs) I can do things. (laughs) Right? Like, it gives you that feeling of like, oh, I can accomplish things. Right? And it starts, it kind of sucks the poison out of the day. That's a really interesting perspective. Yeah, I like that. Everybody must play match three games now. Mm. <laughs> Maybe not. What's wrong with match three? It's somewhat engaging. Well, it depends on which one you're playing. Those, oh. you know what? Those particular games, I actively avoid playing for the most part because I have found, like, I um, I remember downloading one of them on my Xbox, and I was sitting there and. You know, I was I was accomplishing whatever the goals of the game were, and I realized I am absolutely doing nothing. I am just staring at a screen, pressing buttons, doing the same thing over and over again, and not building myself up in any way. I don't feel restful. It just feels like mindless, numbing entertainment. Um, said, said the Minecraft player. <laughs> I get the same feeling from Michael Bay movies. no those are like the height of artistic pleasure and they are the pinnacle of our human civilization (laughs) you couldn't even say it with a straight face (laughs) i was just thinking of dark of the moon and what a fantastic movie it was as i sat there for an hour while robots beat each other up (laughs) 
I felt like everything had just come together. We had made it. Uh-huh. You mean like humankind had made it? We've made it. <laughs> in, in the sort of land on the moon, like we made it kind of moment for humanity? Is that what you're saying? It was almost like it. It was like the moon landing, except with giant CGI robots. <laughs> and except not faked. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's oh, one other rabbit hole. Whoa, conspiracy theories. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Speaking of match three games, the most intense one I've ever played is 10 million. Has anybody played that? No. 10 million. 10 million. It's a a role-playing game, match three game, and it's super intense and and fast because – your guy is like trying to escape a uh, like a prison or a castle or something like that. He's trying to escape, and um, as you match three, it like unlocks doors, defeats monsters, shoots spells. And if the longer you take to make a match, the more likely it is for the monster to kill him. So you like have to go fast. It's huh. crazy good. It was. Huh. It's a really really fun game. Um, that one kept me up a few nights. Yeah, that, that <laughs> sure. one sounds interesting. It's really good. It was made by like one guy working in Unity, and uh, it, it's awesome. It's called Ten Million, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's available for everything. I think it's even on Steam too. It's not even just a mobile game. I remember Puzzle Quest a while ago. Yeah, yeah Puzzle I- Quest is kind of the opposite. Like that one's very short. Um, sorry, very drawn out and take your time and that kind of thing. Yeah, I do like the interesting variations on that, like like Puzzle Quest, that it's not just, okay, here's another level where you're matching little colored baubles. You know, there's actually a, more of a point to it. Yeah, I feel like I hesitate to say this because this could get someone hooked, but Puzzle and Dragons is like match three plus Pokemon. I listened to that whole podcast. Yeah, it's, that game it can... Biking. It can suck you in. I believe you. Like I, well, I mean, at a point, it's a pay-to-win game, but oh, the match ooh. three basically is like if you match certain colors, your your Pokemon monster, whatever of that color, attacks enemies, and you can aim what enemies are being attacked. And all the monsters have special abilities, which help you do the match three better and get bigger chains. And it's quite a scary game. Oh, you know, I did. I did try playing that. I got bored of it. Yeah, well, the, I think it's the pay-to-win part that gets kind of mm-hmm. gets to me. I mean, you can play it normally, but it's really hard to progress unless you do pay money of co- some kind or done grind through previously done dungeons. So I know it doesn't work for everybody, but it, it did certainly work for me. Right, here's a question on the kind of stewardship of time. Um, do you think it's good that uh, video games have become shorter? Depends. I think a lot of people say that like the time that you spent was technically like padding, and I guess that could be said to be true for a number of Japanese role playing games, which I've played at some point in time. But on the other hand, some people like to play games for a very long time and don't quite enjoy when a game's like four to you know four hours, maybe two hours, maybe less. Depends. I mean, everybody's going to finish a game at a different amount of time, but once you, it it comes down to price point versus how much value the game has for you personally. I was about to say, I, I, I feel like that would be a highly personalized answer. Yeah, like, I can play Ninja Gaiden for 50, 100 hours, you know, because I want to play through it multiple times. And, but for a lot of people, it's just like a one-and-done sort of situation. So is it worth it to them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know if I can answer that from a management of time perspective, just because I tend to not play the longer games anyways. I personally really like that games have become shorter because it means I can play through an entire game before I lose interest. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not, I tend to with, you know, the 60 hour games, I play through the first, you know, quarter of it and then something else catches my attention whereas with a game that is a five-hour game i can dedicate myself to i'm going to play this whole thing and then get to the end and say i have finished this piece of enter this um story um and then move on and get many more experiences that way than i would with if i forced myself to sit through a 60-hour game which i probably wouldn't even accomplish anyways yeah i you know my life has changed a lot obviously since when i was 14 
and um, and I could try and make every single jump in Donkey Kong Country in order to get through. Yeah, I don't have that kind of time anymore. And um, and so you know, a game like uh, Uncharted or whatever that allows me to complete the whole thing basically in a weekend, I think that's awesome. That that makes it easier for me to have um, good time management and and get through a game and feel good and um, and not you know have to pack it into my life too hard um like something like skyrim i have to like chip away at um because you can't finish that in a weekend <laughs> um challenge <yeah>. accepted wait <laughs> skyrim in a weekend yeah i think you can finish the main quest in 20 hours if i had to guess no, it's yeah shorter than that okay well prove it to us <laughs> yeah challenge accepted Okay, next podcast. <laughs> How yeah, fast can you great. finish an Elder Scrolls game? Very fast if you don't get distracted. Uh, gonna put it on my YouTube channel. Playing through Skyrim in a weekend. <laughs> I, I just personally find it interesting how the length of games has changed as the average age of gamers has changed. Right? Because mm. when you're when you're 10, 12, 14, you can put 60 hours in, in a game in a week. Like it's possible. I think we all did it. Um, so then when you, when you get, you know, late thirties and you have all these family pressures and whatever, like uh, just finding eight hours is difficult. Um, so to be able to get the kind of the, I did it, I finished, I saw the whole story, blah, blah, blah. Like to get that payoff in eight hours, that that's made things a lot better for me anyway. And then there's games like world of Warcraft that put in rest systems, right? Oh yeah. They give you a 50% experience bonus. Yeah. Now, at first, that was to try and balance out the hardcore players from the more casual players, like to allow the casual players to kind of catch up and whatever. Um, but then other games have followed suit, right, and, and said, hey, if you, you don't have to play this game constantly, like we'll give you a rest bonus for not playing. Um, StarCraft II had that, for instance, with a bonus pool. If you haven't played matches for a while and then it builds up this bonus pool and then you do win a match and it gives you bonus points equal to the number of points that you, that you got. And, and so it just... Um, there's there's now this idea of designing games to fit more within the busy lifestyle. And I, for one, applaud those efforts. I think it's great. That's interesting. Some people have said to me, as a Christian game developer, that that should be of the kind of primary thought. Like, you know, it should be, in a sense, socially responsible in that way. Like, don't make... <laughs> some people have told me not to make the game too much fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It better not be fun, Tom. <laughs> no, it better not be too much no. fun. Christians aren't allowed to have fun. You don't know that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there, there, there seems to be a sense of um, the question anyway. The, the question is um, of social responsibility. Like what responsibility do we have as game designers to have the game fit into kind of a whole life and not just assume that the – I don't know who assumes this, but that the only thing the person is doing is playing the game. Um, you know, I, I heard something on a podcast uh, recently. I forget which one about uh, there was a recent death due to somebody overplaying uh, video games. Right, their their body shut down and stuff. It happens all of, all the time. It happens here. It happens there. Um, and uh, and so there's an outcry for you know the industry in order to uh, you know you gotta. You got to tell people to stop playing. You got to have these built-in break periods, you know, every hour or something like that. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, you're in the middle of a raid, twenty-five man raid or something like that. It's going to pop up and say, "Okay, everybody, pee break." Like, <laughs> like I just, I, I don't, I, I, I like the idea of you know social responsibility and and you know trying to design the game in a way that it fits within your life. You know, Destiny and the whole pause button and that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know what people are looking for. Like, really, um, you know, you can't have a pause button in World of Warcraft. It's like one person has to run off and take care of their baby. And so they hit pause and everybody on the server freezes. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not a good solution. So yeah, I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts. I think so. There's, I think there's a big difference between not intentionally making a game too addictive uh, because there's definitely you know some of that going on in things like World of Warcraft, where they're intentionally making the game addictive by adding random rewards and all that. Um, but 
there's also a point at which nobody says to somebody writing a novel, don't make your novel too long because it has to fit into somebody's life. Why do video games get a different attitude than other forms of media? I, I'm more of a purist on this. I know, like, the modern game design trend is to try to make it more amenable, but, I mean, there are a lot of games that don't, like, let's say MMOs. They can't. That's just technical reasons. But for me, I like certain games where I can't continue, like, arcade games, sort of. You know, like, because shmups, for example. Most arcade shmups don't care about you. They only care about you playing for a protracted period of, like, an hour or so to get to the end of the game. And if you continue at all, you lose all your points. So there's kind of this, like, this is... It fits into a schedule in a sense, but then in another sense, it doesn't. Because if you die, you're done. Or let's say, like, games that allow you to make characters where are, which are in hardcore mode, which is you die once, the game is over. So let's say you got all the way to the end of the game and you died. Well, all your time's wasted, but... That loss of time is also in itself something satisfying when you overcome it. Let's say you know that there's an additional tension that you will lose something if you, in fact, like, don't make it past this challenge. So it does add extra tension. So whereas it's not convenient, it also makes it more challenging, perhaps in an arbitrary way, but in a way that does sometimes enhance a game's playability. You're just trying to talk about Diablo 3 more. I'm not talking about Diablo 3 more. <laughs> it has a hardcore mode. No, there are like, let's say uh, I played Dodonpachi Daiojo. I'm sorry. That name is not going to mean anything to you guys. <laughs> but um, it's a pretty hardcore game that requires a lot of replays of the exact same section over and over again to memorize patterns and to figure out things. And if you want a good score in it, which Obviously, you'll want to share or post with other people on internet forums somewhere. You basically have to play for this one period of time. And if you die, that's it. You're just, you lose all those points after your credit's gone. So for some games, it does enhance the experience. For others, it's just some kind of stupid handicap. So I could see balance in both, though. So um, what's a shmup? Oh, uh, shoot em up. <laughs> ah. Great yeah. question. Oh, nobody knows what a shmup is. Okay, I'm, I've made this really awkward for everyone. According to Wikipedia, a shoot 'em up, also known as shmup or STG, is a subgenre of the shooter genre of video games. In a shoot 'em up, the player character engages in a lone assault, etc. Spacecraft. Has anyone played Gradius or R Type or? Uh, totally. Yeah, that's all. Of Asteroids, I guess, would be considered one. Tempest. I'm just trying to think further back. <laughs> that kind of thing. And they kept developing in Japan while they became incredibly unpopular here, and they're super hardcore now. So, you know, bullet hell, that kind of thing. Did you play the Squaresoft one? It was like Einheiser or something like that? Einhander? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> For PlayStation. That was awesome. Yeah, it's super good. I love that game. Yeah. That and was like... Yeah, super weird music. <laughs> Yep, And the theme was just like, I don't even know what's going on in that game. <laughs> Some kind of thing about technology. Yeah, it's too bad the shmups went away. They they still exist. I mean, like, on Steam, there's a couple that just came out. Asterbreed, I think, is one of them. Oh, yeah, they always have, like, bizarro names. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Crimson Clover. Yeah, that one, that, that name doesn't really describe anything, but <laughs> but it's pretty good. At least people tell me Ikaruga came out on Steam. Uh... Actually, Luftrousers is kind of that way. Yeah, Luftrousers. I guess that would be considered in the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Although the Japanese ones are more like rigid, kind of having this linear section. Like, here are these sets of enemies that come in predetermined waves, whereas Luftrousers is more like auto-generated sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Have we exhausted this topic? <laughs> Do we? Yeah, it, so. it sounds like yes. Because we like went way off track. <laughs> and now I'm talking about a different genre that we did not start with. All right. All right. So I'm going to ask again any final thoughts, just in case. No. Okay. No. Nope. Nope. Okay. That is a definitive no. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have anything else to offer, so I guess that's the end of our podcast. 
All right. Well, thank you all for joining me, uh, Tom Essential, April Lynn Cowett, and Andrew Crawford. Uh, can I shamelessly self-promote you in any way, shape, or form? Or would you like to do it yourself? Check out archmagerises.com. You can see the game that I'm working on. You should all search for Game Church City on Facebook and come join us. Talk about video games and faith and more video games. Yeah, and visit Game Church, too. <laughs> and, and go to GameChurch.com and read awesome articles about video games. I have nothing to self-promote, so... <laughs> Don't you write a blog? It's on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. There's still stuff on there, though. Uh, okay. If, Come on. <laughs> I'm technically on a hiatus, but if you want to read any of the other stuff I've already written, then the geek in the word at Blogspot. Yeah, and you infrequently contribute to theology gaming, also. <laughs> yes, whenever a bout of inspiration strikes me. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, well. That has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to the Theology Gaming University Facebook group. Please join. We like to talk about video games and stuff. And I am always available to talk about things. So feel free to message me on the Facebooks. And I rarely use Twitter, so don't bother. Anyway, <laughs> as for the podcast, go on iTunes or whatever your podcast subscription service is. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating or some other rating that is also positive and write a review. It really helps us out. Share with friends, etc., etc., etc. I'm sure you can fill in the rest because I've done it a bunch of times. All right. This has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. I'm Zachary Oliver signing off. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye, Bye everybody.